Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hello and welcome to the dark forest. This is Jackie Cation. Uh, you know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, AllThingsComedy.com is the new podcast umbrella, and they have a million other comedy podcasts. If you are looking for more podcasts in your life, that's a good place to start. There is, on JackieCation.com, an Amazon banner, so when you order from Amazon, and we all do, go to JackieCation.com, click on that banner, and then do your regular ordering, and I get a tiny kickback. Life is good. So if that's one way that you can donate and support the show. Another way is to buy merch at JackieCation.com, where I have T-shirts, CDs, and hoodies. I have some hoodies in stock. And then the donation button is there if you want to just donate directly. I'd love everyone to give me 100 bucks a year. And if you don't have 100 bucks, well, give me what you can. Or just talk about and buy some merch. Do whatever you want. Anyway, the, the credits, of course, Mike Rickberg, Sarah Cohen just sang that song you heard. Mike composed and wrote that song, and he's going to sing Mexican Hat Dance again at the end. Vilmos will fix the website, and Patrick Brady is going to fix this audio. Thanks a lot for listening, folks. Let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to my living room. Jackie Cation here, of course. I'm sitting here with uh, Kurt Brownauer. Mm. Older. We just went over this, Jackie. Brown we older. just went over this. We did. Reed, and look at this. Long, long, long O. Brown long o. Oler. And Brown you still Oler. said. Owler. Owler. I don't know why I want to F I like up. Owler. <laughs> Do you like that's Owler? Your, that's a, honestly, first time anyone said Owler. Owler. I, well, it's because I come from a, sort of a German Nordic uh, neighborhood this should in be Wisconsin. Right up, this should be right up your alley. Though. I know. Sometimes I think it up. That's why. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Brown Oler. Easy. That's someone in Ellis Island going, let's simplify this. Yeah, let's just, let's exactly. just streamline no, this. No, 100%. It's, it would probably be like Brunula. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it probably is in real life. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, yeah, because Cation constantly being ethnic. Oh, yeah. People are Cashian, Cashian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, of course, for Kardashian, the it's Kardashians. just too close. If you take out the DA, that's your name, it's but it's not name. the same. Yeah. We are not the same person. No. Whenever I think of them, I think to myself, don't they know that that's an inside your head voice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. It would be as if a horrible person had the last name uh, Brown Hochler, <laughs> you know, and I would be like, oh, this yeah. is the worst. Right, and then you're screwed. Yeah. It's, yeah, I at least one tweet a day. Did you know? Yeah. Really? Did, yeah, yeah. Every day someone likes to, to hilariously point out that my name is one syllable away from Kardashian. That's that's awful. It seems like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it makes you want to cut yourself. Uh, just keep <laughs> writing out there, folks. Keep writing. Uh, Kurt Brown-Oler. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> Pronunciation. Thank you very much. You... Uh, have your own podcast on the Nerdist Network with Mr. Chris Hardwick, friend of the show. I do. I do indeed. There you go. It's called The K-Ole. Mm-hmm. Like The K-Hole, but like more like my last name. Right. Yeah. So you go to Nerdist.com, or if you Google the words Nerdist.com and K-O-H-L-E, you will find it. Mm-hmm. And I will put a link in the notes, and then people yes. can find it. And yes. What's your regular website? Isn't it just... It's Kurt. my name, Kurt com. For a little while, it was Kurt Squirt Comedy, um, which, which I is think just is good easy. Writing again. It's just yeah. good writing. Yes. <laughs> um, but I let that lapse because I kind of registered it as a joke. Yes. But then I found it's 
probably a lot easier. But also, if you Google Kurt Comedy, yeah. there's only two of us. Oh, it's okay. me and Kurt Metzger. So, and that's it. And we have two very different last names. It's very different. Yeah. And Kurt Metzger, also a funny guy. Very I just funny. saw him for the first time. Oh, weirdly really? Weirdly enough, in Austin, Texas. Interesting. At moon Tower. Yeah. Love to go to the Moon Tower Fest someday. Rich Miller, you're listening. Rich, come on. Focus, focus, why, focus. Why say no to this guy? Why Why don't you love Kurt? I'm friendly. I'm it's funny. Super friendly, super funny. You read the hot tub with uh, Kristen. I do. Yeah, there you go. That's good times. And uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll I'll link your regular website on the web on the notes too, so then people can 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 just see everything that you're doing because it's fun. Just get a full sense <laughs> of the the width and the breadth of the Brown Oler Empire. Yes, yes. Yeah. Are, are you building much like myself four people at a time? Four people? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's, that's that. That's the addition. People are coming right four, along. Four a day. Four a day. Yeah, four. yeah. And you're just like that means in like 25 years I'm gonna be able to sell out a medium sized venue. <laughs> I am huge. I can draw. There's at least 27 people that will come and see me in, in any, any town, city, any town in the world. It's kind of beautiful. Um, so. Are you from the East Coast? Because you're a New York yeah. comic. Yeah, I'm from the East Coast. I'm okay. from New Jersey. From New Jersey. Yeah, um, right in the middle, Asbury Park, Neptune area. Okay. Yeah. I have been uh, outside of Princeton doing stand-up comedy, and I lived very briefly in Weehawken, oh, yeah. right down the block from that statue of Alexander Hamilton. I was just taught there's so many great uh, names of towns in New Jersey, like Weehawken and Hohokus. Right. And... Uh, the Indians were everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. So they, many of them. And and it was early days, so we hadn't really just phased them out of the naming yeah, yeah, yeah. process. <laughs> so we they got Milwaukee though. And yeah, uh, so, which was nice. Pretty yeah, great. That's not bad. That's not bad. So when I said what is your dorkdom, you got very excited. Yes. Which is the apropos, that is the correct response oh, yeah. when uh you are asked what is your dorkdom. Psychogeography. Yeah. How much do you know anything about psychogeography? I know the word geography. You know uh, the word, and, and you know the word psycho. I know the word psycho. I think it's something to do with the mind and possibly space. I would say that's that's good. That's good. All right. I would say that uh, my person. There's the home phone. 1994 is calling. <laughs> Everybody, hold on while the home phone rings. Does how many how many listeners out there have a home phone? And can identify with this problem that when you're recording your podcast, your home phone goes off. It's kind of ma- it's, it's kind of magical. It's a favorite. There's one of the sixty thousand people who listen to this. That's right. The numbers are up, people. Nice, uh, nice work. So, yeah, but uh, uh, the, there's one guy who keeps going. Why don't you just turn down the ringer? And I'm like, because there's an answering machine attached to it, like it's 1987. <laughs> and then I'll get a message. <laughs> then we'll have to listen to that. <laughs> so at least in this case, I can hang up on the Democratic Party, which is calling me, yeah. about a special election that's going to be happening. I'm sure that that's the majority of phone calls you get They're to They're all telemarketers. Phone. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the only reason we have it is because Andy Ashcraft, safety mouse. Safety He's mouse. He's like, when, when, when the grid goes down, we're going to need... The, the to call the no one because everyone's <laughs> cell phones will be down. Right, because the cell phones... You can call grandmothers, <laughs> right, essentially. Right, we'll be able to call his mom because <laughs> yeah. uh, she has a landline. Yeah. That'll be good. All right, we'll be able to <laughs> contact other people. Do you have one of those plans for when the grid goes down? I, 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 I wanted to have somewhere? a go bag. Um, like, I, I, I did think about, like, putting together a go bag, like, but I, I realized it would really require me to buy a gun. And then I talked a little bit about actually buying a gun. Like, sure. what would go into buying a gun? And then I was just like, I just so can't little, commit. By the way, it's so little. It's probably <laughs> so very easy to buying a gun. Yeah, I've been talking recently about gun ownership on on stage, 
because I, I mean, much like most people, mm-hmm. I love guns. Yeah. Guns are awesome. Yeah. I spend a, uh, all of my gun uh, usage is done fictionally. Yeah. A time crisis. I like Terminator Salvation. Yeah. There, these are, and I think this is the apropos. This is the appropriate uh, gun usage for me. Yeah. Yes, because I am not a gazelle. If I owned a gun, right, I would eat a bullet. Yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not. uh, The motor skills are not there for me to own a gun. Yeah, it takes a lot. Right, and I also have a theory that if a bad guy came up to me and I pulled out my gun. That he would know immediately, and that he would you don't have, yeah, the chops, the balls to kill him, right? And so he would take it from me and cl- beat me to death. That's the thing is that it. you do the gun is only as powerful as your ability to kill a human, <laughs> right? And like I don't think the majority of America have the capacity. Pa- and if we're we're to only talking in go bag terms, right? Okay, yeah, right. Because otherwise, you know, obviously you can use guns for hunting and everything oh, right, like right. that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, for, everyone I know, almost everyone I know back home, except for my immediate family, owns guns. I think my dad owns owned a gun, but right. it was like almost like a novelty for him. Well, oh, my dad had uh, a novelty set of de- matching derringers. Anyway, <laughs> it's a uh, see my see my published works. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, but I mean, I think that the yeah hunting rifles nobody is wants to take any of those away. Yeah, and nobody wants to take hunting rifles away. Have your hunting rifles. Hunt away. Go for it. Knock yourself out. Great. And when you bag a deer, feel free to send me some venison. Yeah. Because so I, I love I like deer. It. I love venison. I don't mind it at all. Yeah. Or if or if you're an Australian, you shoot a kangaroo, yeah. send me some kangaroo because that's good. That's good eating. Yeah. I don't know if you've had a kangaroo. It's oh, nice. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I dated an Australian for two years. I ate roux all the time. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Did you guys call it roux? Yeah, they call it roux. <laughs> <laughs> also, I've eaten wallaby, which is just little little kangaroos. <laughs> right. Those. It's a, it's also a pouch bearing animal that uh, is probably just as tasty. It looks exactly like our kangaroo. I, I can't. Yeah. Just imagine. Imagine making a kangaroo more adorable. <laughs> and then, there, you've got a wallaby. And then eat it. And then eat it. Yeah. <laughs> then, wallaby sausage. You eat it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've digressed because the phone went off. Oh, yeah, so, of course. Uh, you, you'll get this time back. This will be like soccer. No we'll, problem. We'll put this back on the That's clock. That's okay. All right. Talk to me. Psychogeography. psychogeography. So my, I would say my definition of psychogeography would be it's a study of how the uh, mental landscape informs the physical landscape and how the physical landscape informs the mental landscape. Uh, it deals a lot with how we conceive of urban environments, uh, Specifically through maps, um, like a, a map is a psychogeographical oh. uh, a, oh. a, a document, really, because maps can be there's an interpretation. You, no matter how accurate you try and make a map, there's still an interpretation there. Um, if, even if you think about like the whole globe, you know, right. like none of none of our maps are exactly accurate, and so in, in some way we subjectively create how we view. Uh, it's the, our it's landscape. the psychology of making that transition between seeing something that is a representation of something else. Yeah. Is that what it is? It is a little bit that. Uh, it's also how uh, how experiencing uh, like an urban environment in different ways cause you to think about them in different ways. So, an for example, instance, yeah. um, like uh, one of the main dudes who started psychogeography is this guy, Guy Debord, okay. uh, who or Guy, Guy Debord. How do you spell his last name? Uh, D-E-B-O-R-D. Okay. Um, 
and versus GUI, but yep. he's he's a French guy and he's kind of a Marxist guy. Okay. Um, in the twenties in 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 Paris. Okay. And he at even in the twenties was kind of like fed up with how Paris was seeming to him like it was headed towards this bourgeois concept of like all of the streets and avenues and boulevards were being crafted in such a way to support consumerism so that you would kind of you would walk along these main boulevards and that's where all the shops were right. and that's where the where the um the metro stops were and everything right. and he was he was he was mad at this you know right. even like of course on that small level is nothing compared to what we do now with the, manipulating consumerism oh right right i saw a minority report i know <laughs> i know what the future's well, going to be you know that they have one of those um things that talk just to you the already billboards? No, no, no. Do you know in Minority Report, he's like running through and they identify him by his yeah. new eyes. Yep. And then they start putting ads right in front yep. of his face as he's walking. So fucking, I can curse on this, yep. right? fuck it up. Fucking Dwayne Reed in New York City. Dwayne Reed is like a Rite Aid, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's just I walked range. in and they have a directional, um, it's a directional, uh, not my, the opposite of microphone, speaker. So that as you walk by, it's maybe like... There's a foot area where yeah. it catches you, and all of a sudden it sounds like there's surround sound around your entire head, and an ad pops up on a screen that you can't see from any other angle. Holy so it's just for you right there, and all of a sudden it shocks you so much because it, it's like really, really good surround sound, but it's only in this one foot area, and you can only see it right then. And they're like, and in it's the a store fucking today, ad. Yes. Q-tips on sale yes. or whatever. And it's used, it's used to Dwayne Reed, like the Dwayne. dumbest the oh my God. dumbest of all the dumbest pharmacies. And that's gonna that is a sign that it will be everywhere that we go for yeah, the rest of our lives. Right. Like it's not a high end place. Right. You know? Right. No, no, Dwayne Reed is, is a poor man's Walgreens. <laughs> exactly. And, and they already have like this very personalized marketing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So So okay. So he hated the way the roads he's he saw the he saw the writing on the wall. Right. He saw the writing on the wall. So what they started to do was they they thought that the, the that the, the problem was in how you like mapped out a city. And so what they would do is they would go to areas of Paris that, um, you know, didn't have these big boulevards, were just kind of like areas of Paris, and they would just get drunk in a, in a, in a bar yeah. and then wander through the streets. Okay. But they would keep a map of their wanderings. And so all of a sudden, instead of, and they would just like mark <laughs> what like happened. A drunk pub crawl. Yes. Yes. Okay. But they would mark what happened, like, you know, this corner is no longer like, uh, Rue de Elise or w whatever streets they have. Right. It's uh, urinated behind trash can here. Okay. And then up here is in, is in another boulevard, but it's uh, saw rat across, run across street. Okay. And so they were making these highly personalized maps of Paris. And they would go out and do this like every every few days until they were trying to get like this comprehensive map that was incredibly personal. So right. it was uh, essentially a useless map for anyone else but for them it became a map of memory of right. these of these cities of these parts of the city that people weren't visiting Okay, that the people were not visiting yeah people weren't visiting the, he would go to like kind of like you know run down areas well here's the thing is I am not I don't have um, a lot of people have a map in their head right yeah. or, and once they've been a place they can get back to it right and I have in my head where I've done stand up comedy yeah in Los Angeles. Yeah. So I'm doing Best Fish Taco tonight. And he said, where is Best Fish Taco? I've been to Best Fish Taco three times. I'm like, pretty thing. It's like an Echo Park, Eagle Rock, uh, something. It's over. It's east. It's one of those Silver Lakey kind of things. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, so you don't know. And I said, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. But uh, I think 
I would, and I can only, I can, whenever anybody says where things are, I'm like, oh, there used to be, like, people talk about the main drag in Glendale right now. Yeah. It's, um, it's Brand. Brand Avenue. Avenue. Yeah, Brand and Central. Yeah. And on Brand, there was an open mic 12 years ago. Really? And they made uh, homemade uh, Thin Mints. And they had an open mic. It was a coffee shop. And that's all I know. I was like, I could find brand because that's where that coffee shop used to be that had an open mic 12 years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. exactly what psychogeography is. It's, okay. It's this idea of like how we uh, we conceive of specifically urban environments because of the fact that everything's much closer, you know, um, and how they're, it, they can be very personalized. And so I started becoming obsessed with this with two of my friends, Calvin Johnson and Scott Knowles in – I would say 2000. Okay. And we started to plan these nights where we would get together and we would go out. We would invite as many people as we could. And this was before, like, you know, social media. So we would just email a bunch of people and be like, hey, we're going to get together here and we're going to take three hours to explore one facet of this area of New York City. And so I think our first one was signage. We wanted to, like, make a map of signs in Chinatown because the signs there are, are crazy. Right. And so essentially we just walked around for three hours and kind of, like, someone did some video. Someone else just recorded their voice. Someone else did drawings and okay. stuff like that. And then we got back together and compared our different versions of the exact same area. Okay. And that was, like, the first one. And then we became more excited. We did one called the New York Minute where we had an hour – we started. We all met in, in in Grand Central underneath the clock and started. And then we had one hour to get to another location. I think it was downtown. But we had and our, in that hour, our goal was to have the perfect New York minute. But we also had to record everything we did for every other minute. Okay. Um. So like where you were and how like you know if it was right. a subway minute or if it was like and I think my perfect New York minute was going to this coffee shop down on Avenue A and having a cup of coffee and sitting outside and smoking a cigarette. That was my New York minute. But all the minutes leading up to it and coming off of it all of a sudden make this kind of like time map of the city. We thought was really exciting. That is really exciting. Yeah. You all went in different directions and you all we just, just had different experiences. Exactly. And then got back together and again compared every everybody just told their stories. Okay. Because you didn't listen to everybody's hour. You just no no. Did you pull a minute? out of the yeah. recording oh no we didn't rec- we didn't record didn't, and see that was the thing you re- you you essentially wrote it down we would just, write it down yeah, fair yeah, enough. yeah and this was too before podcasts and stuff it was before right. like anyone was there was kind of a place to put this stuff and we yeah. kind of struggled with how like do we essentially the con- the question was is product more important or is process more important in this in this scenario and we right. always kind of Settle on the fact of like process, like the experience of going out and doing this is better I than having that. the map afterwards. Yeah, because yeah. the know? process that is a perfect example of things like I saw mime in <laughs> in Melbourne, right in uh-huh. 2005. There were these two Japanese guys who did an hour of mime. Uh-huh. The first I know those guys. I you know those, those guys. Yeah, because I was in Edinburgh in 2004, and they were in Edinburgh there, which is where they got picked up probably to go to Melbourne. Holy crap! They were fucking amazing. Fucking amazing. What were they's name? What were they? Ken? Was it Kenji and somebody else? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, they were really all good. All I remember is sitting there, and Andy was with me, and Maria Bamford, and mm-hmm. we're watching this mime. And at one point, I lean over to Maria, and I was like, "This is amazing, but what do you do with it?" Right. And she leaned over to me and said, "It isn't broken, Jackie." Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, it's wow. Already, it's already what it is. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Don't try to fix it. Don't yeah. try to sell it. What do you do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what do you mean? What What's? What can you do? That's Also, it's a specifically American performer mentality. Yes. Like, like yes. Like in the UK and in Australia, they don't, and in Canada as well, They you can just tour and make a load of dough just touring. A living. A, a good, good luck. Buy a house kind of living. Yeah. yeah. By just doing kids. live shows. And, and. And whatever that is, right? It's the process. It's the beautiful, gorgeous mm-hmm. process. It's a classic Hollywood kind of, like I watched it again at Montreal last year when yeah. I saw Nina Conti, yes. Tom Conti's daughter, does. No, I know Nina. Nina and I and I won. You don't know her. We won the big award in Melbourne in like 2008. We shared it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And she does ventriloquism. Yeah. And I was watching because of that thing that happened in 2005. I was looking at the rest of the. There were, you know, because. Montreal is industry, right? Yeah. So it's a bit of a tool bag convention. And yeah. so I'm looking around this room and I see everyone thinking what I thought. Yeah. In 2005. Oh, yeah, of course. Because she's amazing. How can we lose the puppet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, no, no. Well, now she's no on one. that HBO show. Which one? Uh, Family Tree. She's with the puppet. Acting? With the puppet. With Monkey. See, the th- nobody becomes a ventriloquist at a whim. No. It takes 25 years to learn how to freaking... It's really difficult. <laughs> it's not a hobby. <laughs> no. And she is honestly one of the best parts of that family tree. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, the show has massive problems, it but it wonderful. is funny. It was Her show was great. Her show was great. Because the thing is, is um, I've seen a fair amount of ventriloquism out of Mindenburg, yeah. and, uh, and probably 20 minutes out of that 40 minutes was stuff I had never seen before. Yeah. Exactly, and, um, which is huge for which is huge for, for yeah. yeah. It's like seeing magic, where you're yeah. just like because you've seen so much magic, you yeah. have to see something new. Yeah, and you still have to appreciate the the skill involved with the other forty minutes, right? Because I can't do it. Yeah, right. No. I don't up close magic. I can't. No. I can't hide this pen from you, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, so so psych- psychogeography is that. It's it's sort it's it essentially a, the process. Of, well, what we started to do is because we kind of wanted to, it wanted it to evolve, and after nine eleven happened, we were kind of like we kind of sat down with the idea of like how can we let this evolve because now the city is more important to us than ever before. Right. You know we and and Scott came up with this idea like he, his theory was that like there's three things that are our problems when we're in New York is that one is the what he called the six flag problem which was uh, it, it, when you live next door to a six flags it's always there and you never go. Oh, okay. And, when, and so when you're in, <laughs> when you live in New York City, you have all this amazingness right outside your door, and you very quickly just stop exploring it because it's like <laughs> it's just like yeah, it's always I there. Like the Six Flags you know? analogy, right? And so we wanted to make this thing. So we so we came up with this idea, uh, myself and Scott and Calvin, of the 24-hour road trip. Okay. And so the 24-hour road trip was. Started in New York City, and we would always do it as part of the psychogeography conference that happened once a year called Psygeoconflux, um, which I don't think exists anymore. Which is a real con. Yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah, psychogeographers are a super weird breed. They're also um, – usually the psychogeographers are super into – like digital apps and stuff like that that help you explore cities. Okay. That, and that's what it was kind of coming out of in like 2005 and stuff and six when we started. Sort of the GPS-y kind of? Yes, yes. exactly. Okay. Where we had no tech and we didn't do any tech. So what the 24-hour road trip was was we would meet at uh, – we started doing it at 11 a.m. We realized to push it up to 8 a.m. Right. Meet at 11 a.m. 
and then with the whole group because it was organized through the festival, we'd usually like fifty people would show up, and wow. then the whole the the goal was all five boroughs of New York City in twenty four hours using all five modes of transportation: walking, train, car, boat, and bus. And bus. Yeah, so we had to use all of those. The boat was always the fun part. Yeah, the boat's always a trip. Yeah, and so we, and we had to get to all five boroughs in 24 hours, and we stayed up for the whole 24 hours as well. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and so it was this, and so we would have captains. So for eight hours, I would be the captain. For eight hours, Calvin would be the captain, and for eight hours, Scott would be the captain. Okay. And the captain's only job was just to say, this is where we're going. But it was very democratic, but sure. it was like, you know, at four in the morning when everyone's just like losing their fucking mind, you need one person you to be like, captain. we're getting on this ferry and we're going to Staten <laughs> Island right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so we would have these kind of amazing so adventures. Did, did you split the 50 people into three groups? No, is that what you we said? were all together. And those 50 people can leave or join us. The only three people who are required for the whole 24 hours were Calvin Scott and myself. Okay. Yeah. So... So how long, how long did everyone last? Did, did most people... There was definitely, like, a core group was probably 10 people. And after a while, you just get, like... Yeah. Your, and, and what we wanted to do and why we called it a road trip was we wanted to recreate all the emotions that you go through on a long road trip, you know? Yeah, right, when Where you're trapped in Where it's excitement at first, and then you start to get angry, and then you <laughs> hate people, and then you have a fight, and then you make up again, and now you're stronger because of it, you yep. know, all yep. that sort of stuff. Sure. And all of that would happen on the road trip, and, but it would all be in 24 hours. So it was a very New York City kind of thing where everything was crushed into a small period of time. And a smaller, and a very small space. Yeah, That's yeah. That's not yeah. a big space. No, it's not a big space. So and you... You would go, so Staten Island, Queens, Brooklyn, the Bronx. Bronx. Yeah, one time we, and we've done it many, many years, but one time we went, we went up into Queens and then walked across the Queensboro Bridge into the Bronx. And the Queensboro Bridge is like, I think it took us two hours to walk it. Like, it's just massive. And you travel wow. over Randall's Island and Randall's Island is half like parade ground and then half just mental asylums. But the the, the bridge, when you're walking, you can look down into like maximum security asylums where people are not allowed to leave. Like they're almost like prisons. Yeah. Uh, and you can see all the people there. We're just maybe like, you know, 100 feet up, but it's right, like right there. It's very crazy. Oh, that, that, I mean, that's the, wow. Yeah, it's so like you these little see- moments that are like you would just never end up in that section yeah. unless you were doing this. Right. You know? Right. And then being dumped out in the middle of the Bronx and trying to figure out how the like, the Bronx is still to me like I lived in New York for 14 years. The Bronx right. is still like mostly a mystery other than like Arthur Avenue. Okay, you know, like there's one area that I know of which is like where the Italian restaurants are, <laughs> and that's it. You know, right? So right. there was just like, oh, we're on another fucking planet here. Yeah, you know, and then go down. It's one, like an entirely different city, kind of. Totally. Right? Okay. One one year we ended up going to a Yankees game. One year we went deep sea fishing off Sheepshead Bay in Brooklyn. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just, it was just, and you know, you, it's always like around 5.30 in the morning that things get really weird, you yeah. know? Yeah, I bet. And like the stresses on you make you a little vulnerable and yeah. that vulnerability kind of cause you to be more open to experiences that I think you wouldn't normally have. Yeah. And that was what we loved about it. Right. It's and kind of life changing in this, and it's just 
called Psychogeography? Yeah, I mean, like, our thing that we were doing was called Psychogeography Project New York. Okay. Um, and, like, we – and this, it was really fly by the seat of your pants kind of things. Like, we tried to get more organized and everything like that, but there's no way to – uh, and make money at this or invest money in it, you know? Right. So it really always had to be just super hobby, you yep. know? Yep. And just so, you know, whoever was like, I think I made a website one year for it, but it was like, I don't know much about web design, so it right. looked like shit and, like, <laughs> was difficult to update and stuff like that. Yeah. I think now it would be a lot easier to do. Right, because you could make a group on yeah. Facebook or something. Easy. Right. This was all before, it was before Facebook, it was before all that MySpace, shit. MySpace, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And so... So that's what we do in the 24-hour road trip for a while, right? Yeah. And we brought it to different cities, did one in Philly, did one in New Orleans. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, as, different, as part of different festivals. Yeah. And, uh, and we were just kind of getting too old to, like, really do the 24 hours. Because also, like, we would drink, like, because we're walking, too. So, like, right. when you've been walking for 10 hours at around 8 p.m., you're like... I need to have a drink. Right. And then you would drink from like 8 till whenever the bars close in the city you were at. Right. And then you're drunk and it's like 3 in the morning and now you have to go from 3 to 8. We get another was 5 like, hours of doing five hours, something. Yeah, of doing something. And there was like a lot of like just killing time or walk in <laughs> and you just get into this craziness. So we wanted to figure out a way to do like put the stresses of the 24-hour road trip on ourselves but uh, do it in less time. Okay. And so we created this thing called the Urban Disorientation Game. Yeah. Which was, uh, again, with the Sigeo Conflux. We would get three 15-passenger um, vans and then tell everyone to meet at, like, noon or something like that at this, like, one, wherever the location was for the starting point of the con- conference. And then we would get usually about, like, 30 people or so. What? We'd split them up into 10 pe- people each. We'd split friends up so right. no one was no one knew each other from the group. Okay. We'd blindfold them all, take their wallets and their cell phones, put them in the three vans, <laughs> and then uh, each van would take them to a different part of New York City that they had never been to before. Right. And then without using maps or talking to anyone or using their phone, they all had to try and figure out where they were and get make it back. It was a race to get back to the starting point. Weird. Yeah. Wait. So they couldn't use they they couldn't go down the subway and look at the map then. We we I mean like we ne- we didn't put a rule against that. Okay. But you couldn't bring a map. Okay. So if you could locate a uh, right, if you could find a map, that was you know fine. like the one, one the first time we did it, my group went to inside. It's called Forest Park, and it divides Queens and Brooklyn. Okay. It's a real really weird park. You can get up in and go down into essentially a like a little glen, like a there's a pond. And when we unveiled them, yeah, th- essentially it looked like they're in the middle of upstate New York. Like you couldn't see any buildings, couldn't see it. You're, they're in the woods and they're just at a pond. <laughs> and then they had to like climb up out of that. And the first thing they did was climb up out of it, walked through the park down to the street, and someone found a bus stop. And I was like, ah, oh, that's so what? They have a bus stop. They don't know where they are. Yep. But there's a tiny little because it usually just shows the bus route. Yep. But up in the upper right hand corner in New York City. There's it shows where you are in the 
Oh, a the, full map. No, not it just shows like whatever borough you're in. Okay. So they're like, we're in Brooklyn, and this is the M whatever the BX seventy five or whatever, and through that is how they figured out where they were. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. it's like that sort of stuff where they have to be like, and but also it's a group of strangers. Yeah. So like, who becomes a leader, and how do they work with each other? Yeah. Um, and so people you would get really competitive, and it would get a little crazy. Yeah. So we decided to put rules on them. Yeah. Which were. We stopped making it a time race. Okay. Instead made it, you do have to come back to where we started, but you have to, whoever has more points wins. Okay. And you get points by playing mini games within the main game. And so, like, one mini game was uh, follow a stranger. So the group would vote and choose a stranger, and then where everyone would, like, <laughs> ten people would just follow <laughs> that stranger wherever that stranger was going. Wow. Yeah. You know that there was something Andy went two years in a row to some sort of public gaming event uh-huh. in New York. Mm-hmm. And what it was, was it was a, it was a, uh, the first, I don't know, I'm going to mix up which year was what, but the first year he just went and yeah. he played all these different games. And one of the games was you and a bunch of people, you had to convince someone at, someone was at Grand Central and someone else was at Times Square, I think, or whatever. Uh, there were there were two different main subways, right? Yeah. And I think it was the S, just the shuttle, right? Yeah. And so you, him and his team had to convince people who were getting on that shuttle to carry different colored flags. Okay. And take them so to the, the other, to the other. The group that's at the other side. Yeah, the group that's at the other side. That's awesome. And so, or you would have to, he was in Times Square at one point and he was like, you had to convince a stranger to dance with you across the block. <laughs> that was the whole thing. And the thing is, in New York City, you can do it, but you right. definitely have to ask a few people. Right. right. It's not going to be the first person. And there was, but then there would also be things like at, there was a bar where the, it was a live action version. Remember that game where you would, it was a jumping, it was a side scroller jumping game where you jump, it was Tarzan on vines and mm-hmm. you had to jump over the pitfall. Um, pitfall. That was yeah. it. It was a live action version of that game. Holy Shit. On and so people are drunk. Yeah. There's a stage. There's a rope, and there is a big blue piece of paper that represents the, the water. water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Andy was like, "That was ridiculous." And then <laughs> that's so, pretty awesome, right? And so the next year, he did. He did a. Uh, he created a game. Uh-huh. It was a time travel game with uh-huh. t- three different teams. Three. It could be as many as five different teams. But uh-huh. In a famous, old timey cemetery in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And Greenwood Cemetery. That's it. I used to live on that. I used to live next door to it. Okay. I would go into it every day. Right. And so it was all these different, everyone, it, there was time travel and he, he went to their website because he did it from here. He created the game from uh-huh. here and he used different gravestones. Oh, wow. And if you, it was like a scavenger hunt to some extent and you had to find these different things. And if you could collect all the different things that were in that gravestone, you could save your future. It was all about parallel universes. Oh, cool. And whichever whichever team gathered all their items, they could, their future was safe. Oh, wow. The other four teams, uh, their future was fucked. But it was, was, but it was, but it's like that. That's what it feels like when you, and these are all strangers. These are all, but they're gamers. Yeah. So there's all, so there's a certain understanding with gamers that I've that I've noticed where people are like, oh, there's going to be rules. Yeah. This is a society. There's a social contract involved <laughs> with playing games yeah. with strangers. Yeah. And um, so you impose those on the psychogeography. Yeah. I think another rule was, 
I mean, like there was it, – it's again, it, it puts the idea at towards the end of when we were doing it, and we might do another one at some point, but towards the end of when we were yes, doing please, it – Yes, please, and yeah. I would like to play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was um, – our main goal was just to keep people in a state of – truly being lost for okay. as as long as we could. And we found like maybe 20 minutes was like the amount of time. But to feel like if you – especially if you've lived in a city for 10 plus years, right, right. to feel truly, utterly, I don't know where I am is kind of an amazing feeling, you know. And I remember we did this one where we were inside of a park, and I don't remember what park it was. We started walking – and we're just exploring. We're maybe for 10 minutes walking through the woods. Nobody knows where we are. Right. And then all of a sudden, there's just a hill. And when we climb up the hill, and on the other side of the hill, like right there, is just a velodrome from the, like from the 1920s. A bike racing A thing? bike racing. And there's a, a big bike race going on at the, like really <laughs> official, where they're like locked into the track and everything, yeah. you know? Like crazy. It's yeah. just like, and the wood, like where the fuck are we? You know, yeah. it's like these beautiful kind of moments like yeah. that. That is, a, that is, I'll tell you something, as a person who is consistently lost, um, yeah. as you drive around Los Angeles, you may one day find yourself on a street called San Fernando Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm on San Fernando Boulevard, I am lost. Yeah, I know, I know San Fernando Boulevard. Uh, it, it goes so long. And oh, it, really? I, I only know it in so, Glendale. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. here. It's around. Oh, wow. Uh, so wherever I am in San Francisco, I, I have been lost so long that I have taken myself <laughs> out to lunch. <laughs> where I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to get some blood sugar. Yeah. Because otherwise, I'm going to either burst into tears or yeah. start punching something. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> I have uh, The amount of times I've punched my steering wheel here is... You feel like such a silly person when you oh, lose when you, your temper in your when you, car by your, yourself. Right, right. Well, you know Maria's joke about the difference between New York and L.A. No. Is that in L.A., New York, there's nowhere to cry. Yeah. And uh, she's like, you got to buy yourself like a hat in New York that you can just roll down and just to be a nice soft cat fur that you could sob into. In L.A., you can cry in your car. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, so I mean, it's... But yeah, being lost is and but here's an interesting thing that you might Andy and I went to Yosemite a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and he had, grew up in California. He had never been. Right? It was a six, six flags, flags moment, thing. right? Yeah. And we've also two years ago or a year and a half ago we went to the Grand Canyon because he had never been. Oh wow. And I was like It's so close. Right. It's like but, six hours from here, right? I never yeah, I think it, the Grand Canyon might be seven or eight, yeah. but it's not it's still it's a, a day. day. Yeah. yeah. So and the and the freaking Yosemite three and a half yeah. four. So what? It's only that it's three and a half or yeah, four. Yeah. I want to ask you: Is there a good Tubin River around here? He knows of one. He mentioned it. Great. And I was like, you, I, I'm not a huge fan of sitting in urine, uh, but I'm good. In urine, it's a river. It's a river. It's, it's constantly a, moving water. You can pee in that moving. constantly, and you're not going to, if you're just four feet behind me, never going to touch you. It's not even going to be warm. It's going to be fine. You're going to be all right. I've only gone tubing one time in the Apple River in Minneapolis, outside of Minneapolis. Sounds and great. It was great. Get yourself a case of beer. That's exactly There's it. one tube. Yeah. You in another tube. It's the best. And you just... Uh, my favorite, my favorite one though is we did uh, the Saint Croix River, I think it was called, and you would rent a, a canoe, uh-huh. and you could canoe down the Saint Croix, and then they would pick up the canoe and take take you back and it to the to the to your car. That's so it. You didn't have to canoe up river ever. Ever. Yeah. That's how you should canoe. Yeah, that was the greatest drunken day and a half. <laughs> it's of my the life. best, right? It was so fun. So much fun. 
So, but Yosemite, we stayed in a weird bread and, bed and breakfast, uh-huh. which I don't like. But the bed and breakfast was great because it was outside this one town that I can't remember the name of. But they gave us a CD because mm-hmm. we were – Yosemite is so big. Yeah. And the hotel is 45 minutes from the beginning of the park. Once you get to the park, it's another 45 minutes to the canyon floor. Wow. So there were three CDs. One was from the town at the bottom of the hill from the bed and breakfast to Yosemite. Uh-huh. And it described the trees. Oh, wow. It described the history of the town. It described the history of Yosemite. And it was like, if you're going the speed limit, you will see on your left a stand of trees that are called the blah, blah pine. No way. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. It was, I was like, when will Google and Audible get together yeah. and have this be, because it would be, it would be with the French guy from the 20s. Yeah. It would yeah. be a personal, it's like, do you see that rock? Yeah. yeah. This is my first kiss. Well, there's, and, that's a thing. So there is this artist, uh, and I need to, I'm going to try and remember her name, um, her first name is Janet, but she's, uh, I have to, I, I can't remember her last name. What kind of work? She does walks, and she uses um, bi, bi, binaural recording so that it sounds like 3D. Um, oh, really? Yeah, so she'll do walks, and the first one I did was blew my mind. It was a PS1 in New York City, which okay. is an old school, an old public school that they yep. turned into like an exhibition, like um, they just only do it. In, in installation installation art yeah, thank yeah, you word. No installation word. exhibitions uh, and so her installation piece was that she recorded a walk through this old school but you put the headphones on and then she says like follow them and she has like this very soft like breathy like <laughs> it's honestly sexy right, right, but she's sexy. bringing you to a crazy place and she's just following she has high heels on you can hear them you can hear them below you right. and you can hear people talking over there and over there it's like completely surrounding you wow and you have like a little at the time it was a CD walk man right and then she takes you on a walk through and she tells you these stories and it's all about it's all like involved with dreams and her personal life and stuff like that. But this walk that she does through the school, at one point you go, she walks you down into the boiler room and then has you walk around the corner and then sit down on this chair that she's placed there. And you're in the pitch darkness underneath a staircase. And then you hear a man come and sit next to you and it sounds exactly like he's there. And it's so scary. Uh, and then, but he's not there. Like you can right. just put your hand out and there's nothing there. <laughs> right, there's nothing but your there. brain is telling you that it's there. Yeah. And then she like lets you get up and you're literally following her step footsteps so you walk with her footsteps and you explore this whole place and she's done them all around the world and i did another one in central park that she did right it's just really amazing so central park janet cardiff boom boom well played how do you spell cardiff c-a-r-d-i-f-f that's how i'd spell it pretty pretty sure yep she's um she's canadian i believe always wanted to meet her oh that's neat yeah that's really cool yeah so the extension of all of this right is, um, you know, haven't, I hadn't been doing any psychogeography for a while, and I really missed it. Because, you know, as you know, like, comedy kind of becomes all-consuming. Yes. And you kind of have to put all of your effort into just fucking trying into to make something. a living, yep. you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, and making new stuff all the time. And so I wanted to combine kind of the two, like, things, you know, comedy and psychogeography. Yeah. And that's how I started doing this podcast, Um and oh, right, so, the Blindfold Podcast. Mm-hmm. Is that what that is? Yeah, it's called Get Lost. Excellent. And so I take comedians, I blindfold them, put them in my car, and I drive them somewhere in L.A. they've never been before, and they kind of unveil them 
And then they have to kind of essentially in L.A., because it's so spread out, you can't walk anywhere and the public transit system sucks. I don't make them get back to where we started. Right. But I, we do have, we essentially go exploring. Right. Um, and so they don't know where they are. Right. And I'm kind of like trying to get them to describe to the listeners what they're seeing. And then they're also coming up with theories as to where they are as oh, well the whole cool. time. And we kind of explore around. Like I took Kyle Kinane to um, these underground tunnels that are underneath uh, downtown Los Angeles that connect all of the municipal buildings, which are really weird. Interesting. Super strange. And they were used in the 20s by the mayor's office because the mayor's office ran five speakeasies downtown. And so we would enter <laughs> in the mayor's office and go through these underground tunnels to yeah. the speakeasies that he personally ran during wow. Prohibition. Wow. Yeah. Which mayor was that, if I might ask? I don't know. Whatever all mayor right. during Prohibition. I'll look it up, folks. Yeah. All right. So you do research as well. Yeah. That's great. We, what, I do a note section. And, That's excellent. Uh, and sometimes it's bigger than other times. I just, yeah. uh, the one that dropped this week was with Andrew Thompson, who he mentions every, he's an, he's an IT dork. Yeah. And he's a techie dork. And so he mentions like where to buy cords and uh, motherboards. And, and I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not, uh, I'm not <laughs> linking every single. <laughs> because it's on, because now it's on SoundCloud and, and allthingscomedy.com. It's yeah. my umbrella podcast. Yeah. It's like Nerdist, right? Yeah. And so the, the notes don't show up the same as they do on Libsyn. Right. So it's, it's, it's uh, more labor intensive. So uh, I don't know what I'll do okay. when, when it all comes together. But I, yeah. I, I like, I love the idea of, when we talk about something that the audience gets to go, they can go to the, you know, dorkforce.com right. and, and find the link and go, oh, that's what they said. Yeah. Yeah. That's because, pretty cool. Yeah, because most people just listen to it as they drive or yeah. as, they, as, as they work, and they aren't necessarily near a computer exactly. to look things up. So yeah. they can do it after. Cool. That's yeah. awesome. Super fun. I like, have you ever been to the other Getty? The, the one, one on, that, on the top? Yeah. Yeah. No, I no, just not, went. The one on the top the is Getty the Center? new one. Oh, the Getty Villa. Yeah, the Getty Villa. Uh, no, I haven't been. You just like, went to that for the first time. Yeah, was yeah. it awesome? It was awesome, but you have to make an appointment. Yes, I heard, because they don't let that many people in at a time. Right, right. That's and pretty cool, though. I like is, that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And the my favorite thing about uh, museums, always the gift shop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you know why? Because why? Uh, I last all museums 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Uh-huh. That's it. And uh, I don't care if I. it's the Uffizi in... You know, in Florence yeah. or whatever. Uh, it, that was, by the way, too big. Every time I've tried to go to the Met, yeah, too big. I'm just like, I hate you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and my friends are just like, well, pick an area and yeah, then just spend an hour and a half there. Yeah. And I was like, uh huh, yeah. Which area? Any idea? You want to pick one for me? How about that? And so, because one of my favorite museums here in Los Angeles is the Librea Tar Pits. I haven't been to that museum. Well, that's because uh, you thought it wasn't real, maybe, like I did. Yeah. My friend from uh, from Portland was like, hey, I want to go to the La Brea Tar Pits. And I said, that's a Bugs Bunny episode. That's not real. And she said, no, it's on La Brea and Wilshire. And I said, I, I mean, I've been, been to the Tar Pits. It's just a park, I thought. No, there's a museum. It's like seven or eight bucks to get in. Uh-huh. It's one of the best deals because really? it is clearly 45 minutes because oh. uh, it is nice. not big. Yeah. <laughs> You see some woolly mammoths. Yeah. You see a mastodon. You see a bunch of bones. That's great. Yeah, good times are had. Uh, you see a saber-toothed tiger. You see a thousand skulls of dire wolves. And, um, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then you're done. And then you go to lunch. Have you been <laughs> – everyone keeps telling me to take people for, my, for the podcast to the Museum of Jurassic Technology. 
Oh, I hear that's amazing. Quentin yeah, Sleep I haven't been, not been, but I can't, I can't. It's like that, that's the thing that's difficult for you've lived here. Maybe you have the recommendations for me, yeah. but I need to find places that are, you can't immediately know where you are. Right. And you can't, and it can't really be a place like people are always like, take them to this crazy bar. There's, and I'm just like, eh, you're, they're just at a bar. You know what I mean? The old zoo. Been there. You've been there. to the old the zoo? The old zoo. Built in 1912. Yes. Closed down in 1967. Well, that's a good it's one. It's a good one. Yep. I can't go back there. Okay. Been to the old zoo. Been to the, the things on the, the, I've been to Forest Lawn Memorial Park. Sure. Where they have the giant David replica. Where <laughs> like is Like a 16-foot tall David. Wait, wait. I have yeah. not seen that. It's all the way at the top of the mountain. Okay. You drive all the way up, and there's and then so he kind of like revealed underneath, like with David's dick in his face. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Uh, there, there, the old zoo, and then I just took Mike Lawrence to uh, where I what I thought was. Do you remember in the Dark Knight Rises when all the cops are trapped under underground? Yeah. And then they come out, and they're in that kind of like. It's like there's a tunnel behind them, and then it goes up, and it just they come up to the street. Right. I was pretty sure that's where they shot it. Mm-hmm. May, no one else thinks that that's true, but that's what <laughs> it looks like. And then it leads out into uh, a very wide area of the L.A. River that right. looks cuckoo balls crazy town. And there's a bunch of, like, full-on, like, uh, homeless villages set up there um, and in, in uh, drainage tubes that aren't ever used during the summertime because n- it never rains. Right. I mean, so it's really just like this weird, like, like, uh, and dystopian futuristic town inside right. a tube. It's crazy. You know the the where the battle for the Planet of the Apes was shot. Where was downtown L.A. Um, and it looks it's it's sort of a mall and mm-hmm. it's sort of the where the courthouse is. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the spookiest places to go to if you've ever seen Battle for the Blood of the Apes on, like, a Sunday morning. Yeah. Because you're like, where the hell is everyone? Yeah, it's super creepy down no there. One, no one's yeah. there. And um, most of downtown L.A. is pretty creepy in the morning Yeah, uh, on a Sunday. But um, I think a lot of places that I'm going to be going are going to be in downtown, of, you know? Right. Well, you know, what we got right behind me here in Van Nuys is the Pacoima Wash. What's that? That is a that is an off to drainage um thing. It's where the LA River drains into sometimes. Oh yeah. And it's where there's drag drag races. Oh really? Yeah, but not now, but back in the day. So oh, there's okay. probably still like where Greece was shot. Yes. Okay. Like there's gotta be a place like where like that where you can yeah. find that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I would I would love to get that stuff. Right. There's also weird like equestrian places and, and uh Yeah, the horse stuff in the valley is pretty big that would be weird to bring him to a dude ranch the kardashians live in a planned uh like some gated community uh-huh. me and who was it patrick keen uh-huh. did a party that the that the improv booked uh-huh stand up at a at a house party uh-huh which is always a good idea uh i believe i made a nickel and uh <laughs> but you had to go to the gate and get them to let you in uh-huh and you could tell how paranoid people are by who's working the gate. This was clearly a man in his late 50s, early 60s, who had been a police officer. Yeah. The whitest, third generation, fifth generation white guy. Big in the, I mean, barrel this, chest. Yeah, barrel chested yeah. cop dude. And you're like, oh, they're very serious about people yeah, yeah, not yeah. coming into this. Yeah. This And it was an equestrian. It was zoned for equestrian. It just burned because... Oh. Uh, there's, you know, there's brush fires. Yeah, and all the time. Mudslides. That's our two seasons. Constantly. And uh, so the, uh, um, but yeah, the, 
you know, I don't know. This is this is an interesting conversation, but I, it's not what it's not. I mean, it's because I'm trying to think. People, Jackie at JackieCation dot com. Why don't you email me and I'll pass it on. I right? will. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody's listening who happens to have intense information about Los Angeles, especially the east side, because most comedians do live on the east side, I've found. Mm -hmm. How did you end up over here? Uh, It was uh, when I moved here, uh, Jennifer McLean, friend of the show, I lived with her. I shared uh, a studio apartment. We lived in for three years. We lived Uh in the studio apartment for like a nickel. And um, and, because when I moved here, she already lived here. And I said, hey, I want to live down in um, like kind of – Hermosa Beach mm-hmm. would be so beautiful down there. And she's like, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Anyway, uh, you can't find any. You drive an hour and a half to get a set. Yeah. And um, it's a million dollars. Yeah. So you could live in the Valley in Studio City with me, and we can share the studio apartment, and it'll be $320 a month. And I said, <laughs> success, we are sold. A studio in the Valley. Yeah. 300 bucks. that's pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. It was, you know, I think but I you, moved here in 97. Did you sleep in the same bed? Did no, you have no. just bed, uh, bunk beds? <laughs> spoon or be spooned. <laughs> no, what we ended up doing is we ended up moving, after after like two years, I think, we ended up moving to uh, a giant bunk bed-like studio where it was a vaulted ceiling and there were two, they stacked, She there, there was a staircase that went up to, there were just curtains to, to bring off these rooms. There was a big living room area yeah. and a sort of a kitchenette kind of area. And then you'd step up one. There was a bathroom to the right, and then that was my bedroom, and there was a curtain. Okay. And there was a – and right above it was the same thing. So there was like – you would walk up this staircase, and there would be a bedroom with a curtain that blocked oh, okay. it off and another bathroom. Okay. So it was like a giant – but the the acoustics were so great that I once saw – uh, oh, Jennifer saw a spider once, said the word spider, and I woke up screaming. And <laughs> that's how good the acoustics were. But, yeah, so we lived in the valley, and she got me the worst job ever when I first moved here. Because I moved here with, like, $400. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, I'll get a job when I get here. Yeah. And she's like, uh-huh, okay. And that's why we lived in the in the studio, because she had a job that could sustain the studio. Right. It was the nicest thing in the world that she let me live there. And she had a mattress. And my, when when we lived in the studio, she had just that curtain thing, and there mm-hmm. was a bathroom. And then there was a big air, open area and a kitchenette. And if you there was a tiny little dining area, like a dinette area, mm-hmm. and that was my room. So my right. privacy was the corner of that wall. Oh, yeah. So she, and that was it. And my bed was on the floor. And it was, it was, you know, it was a long time ago. I, I lived. To do it. I lived in a room with no window once for a year. Like and a that, cell. Yeah, that is a way to go insane. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're doing sets and then staying out and drinking, and then you come home and go to bed, and then you just don't wake up ever right, because ever. there's no sun. <laughs> It's just like three in the three p.m. You're just like, oh, what, what? It's three. All right, Damn I'll it. go out and do a set and drink until three again, and then go to bed. So. That was a bad a time. A year, a year, a year like that. Wow. Yeah. I lived in a sunroom, uh, and had exactly the, <laughs> the opposite, opposite. <laughs> problem because it was in Minneapolis, and so it was also freezing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of blankets, but I could see my breath. Oh. Um, yeah. And so I would sleep, in, and it was all. All windows, and all I would do would go out and have do sets, yeah, and then get home at three in the morning and just 
be awoken by shards of glass uh, light uh, into my at face. At 7 a.m. <laughs> 7 a.m. That's awful. And then I'd have to go sell hippie t-shirts and, and, <laughs> and posters of North, Northern Sun merchandising in Minneapolis. <laughs> and then go do it again. <laughs> oh, my God. What we do for comedy, I right? What we yep. But that, how great would it be to just do that kind of thing that Janet Cardiff does mm-hmm. everywhere? Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah, and I think it could be done. I mean, now that we have these little, like, supercomputers in our pockets, like, right. it could all be done. You know, it could, it's literally just getting a kid who knows how to make apps. Right, that app. Yeah. And then, and then to make it open source so everyone could just add their mm-hmm. hometown tour yeah. to it would be amazing. Yeah. Get on it. Get, Get on, on it, people. Rangers of the Dork Forest. Come on. You're dorks. Do it. Do it. Someone be an app dork. Let's do it. <laughs> and super fun. What do you um what do you want to what do you want to plug besides your podcast I, and website? My podcast comes out every Tuesday uh Me too. at the Nerdist. Look at that. Mm-hmm. And then I um my album uh is on Kill Rockstar Records okay. and it comes out August 20th, but it's on pre-sale right now. Okay. And if you go to killrockstars.com, uh there's a, a whole bunch of weird stuff that you can get if you pre-order the album, oh, uh, oh. including like Kickstarter-y kind of stuff, like little trinkets? No, it's like and- a like pre-order, like the way they do albums now, which I'm just finding out, is that like you have a large, you have like four, a month or and a half or so where can, people can pre-order it, and if they do, they get kind of special items. Like there's a T-shirt that you know says nothing, okay. nothing but net on it, which is one of my jokes, and okay. uh, I have a towel with my face on it, it says keep it dry because I sweat a lot, <laughs> and we have a uh, you can get an engraved personalized glass double dong. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. All right, but that's expensive. That seems expensive. It is, and and but it's engraved with a joke from me to you. From for personalized, there it is. Yeah. Now I understand. Uh, someone did say uh, that you did do a Kickstarter, like a weird skywriting Kickstarter. Yes, I, was, I rose. What the hell was I, that? I uh, was that when you first moved here. Uh, a little bit. I, I moved here in October. I did it in March or something. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I raised six thousand dollars on Kickstarter and hired a skywriter to write in the sky. How do I land <laughs> over downtown LA? Yeah. Uh, I enjoy that as yeah. a joke. Thanks. That's uh, that's good times. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And not, the cops weren't even called. No. Nope. No. Did you have to clear it with them when you when you pre when you decided? You no. Were like, Are you? I mean, why here? would you clear it with them? They, they only you're just giving them an opportunity to tell you. To not do it. Oh right. But then but when you show up with the money, then you say, Will you do this? And they were like, Of course. Who, the airplane people? Yeah. Oh, the airplane, they don't give a shit what they write. Oh, they, they don't. So they just made four thousand dollars for a <laughs> for a guy to uh, drive a plane for twenty minutes. Right, right. That's a win. That's nice. a win for but, them. And but they had to make the banner? No, it's not a banner, it's clouds. We were making clouds say that. Like oh. skywriting. Oh, they skywrited it. Mm-hmm. Writed it. Whatever. But only so with clouds, yeah. So that's the cover of my album. Okay. The, my album's called How Do I Land, and it's the actual photo okay. of the uh, letters in the sky. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I think that is awesome. Your stand-up is always v- really um, – what, uh, what I enjoy is a, uh, I like a silly mm-hmm. and I like a smart. And then it's a mashup of both of those two things, and <laughs> oh, you do that you. very well. Thank so you very much. People, if you get a chance to see Kurt Brown Oler – Brown Oler out yeah, in the world. Uh, get out there and see it. Where are you working in August and September? Uh, in August and September, uh, August I'll be in uh, 
in Nashville, August 9th Zanies. and 10th at Zanies. Sweet. Uh, August uh, 27th, I'll have a record release party at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. August 23rd to 25th, I'll be at the High Plains Comedy Festival in Denver. Okay. And I think I, think I should be going to um, Chicago right at the beginning of September. All right. Well, when you go to Zany's in Nashville, go to see the Built-A-Scale Replica of the Parthenon, if you've ever seen it. Whoa. It okay. is the Built-A-Scale Replica of the Parthenon. Super weird. Really weird. Yeah. And full on. Yeah. So, uh, Kurt, thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you. Take care of each other out there, Rangers. Bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance, then it sounds like a Mexican hat dance. It's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?